You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast that inspires girls and those that love them to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards becoming the most confident version of themselves. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, once corporate leaders and entrepreneurs turned confidence coaches who are obsessed with raising the next generation of female leaders. We're the founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. We're here to give them the tools to be resilient, problem solvers, and to simply be good people. Everything we wish we had access to at their age. We'll be sitting down with versatile guests to talk about things like how to manage expectations, bounce back from failure, even strategies to break up with a toxic relationship. We want this community to lift one another up. So starting right now, you get to practice reaching your hand back and bringing other girls along for the ride. Let's go. Welcome back to the show, everyone. How's everybody doing today? We're good. (laughs) We are your hosts, Jill and Mary. And oh my goodness, everyone. This episode, you better buckle up for because we have... And I know we say this every time. <laughs> You're probably sick of hearing us. Call I know out. we say this every time, but truly, <clears throat> this woman who's sitting, I wish she was in person, but you know, Zoom, it makes it feel like you're in my office with us. But this woman who's sitting across from us has become a dear, dear friend of ours. And we're so excited to introduce her to you because she not only is this incredible mother and wife, but she is an incredible business owner. And she literally is a stand for positive body image and all things mental health. The list goes on and on and on. I'm like, I don't have like, you know, this is really me just speaking from my heart, but I can't wait for you all to get to know her. But please join me in welcoming Dr. Morgan Francis to the podcast. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for being here with us. Oh my goodness. What an incredible introduction. (laughs) Well, ever as I love you for that. And thank you so much for having me here. It's so good to see both of you. It's actually a good thing that she's not here in person. I'm not sure we'd record a podcast. I'm sure we'd open up a bottle of wine and, you know. I know. So thanks for Zooming. Thanks for Zooming. Um, And you said something funny, Jill. It feels like she's in our office with us. I just, I I feel like we have to start the podcast with this story. Um, I met Morgan. We met her at the same event. Um, We've all run in the same circle since 2017. Morgan is an OG powerhouse girl, just like we were. Um, She came to that first event, but I really got to meet her in 2018 at the next year's event. And since then, it's been love at first sight. Yeah. Um, But as we were asking her to come on the show, we need things, headshots and answers to to some questions. And of course, she did her best and got those over to us right away. But the funny part was (laughs) she attached a picture and for whatever reason, her headshot came through and it was like the size of my computer screen. It was huge. So Jill and I opened it and I just started laughing and Jill looks over and she's like, what? And I turn my computer around and it's a life-size photo of Morgan, who, if you know her, she is stunningly oh, gosh, gorgeous. Beautiful. Those, those blue eyes just came right through the screen. <laughs> Piercing through so the screen. We really just we sat her on the desk <laughs> and she worked with us for the rest of the day. 
<laughs> and in true friend fashion, before we even pressed record, I was like, Morgan, thank you so much for entertaining our laughter <laughs> and our humor because she was such a sport about it. Um, and she like immediately sent us a voice note back telling us like how funny, how it, was. funny it was. But you probably can let us know if you thought it was equally funny. <laughs> It was hilarious. I It was the best belly laugh I've had in a long time. And I've cried numerous times watching it because it's not, I didn't just watch it once. I probably, I'm up in, you know, up in the thirties now um, and I've showed my husband and obviously I put it on my social media for all, you know, oh. thousand plus followers to also laugh with me. Oh, you and, love I mean, it. And the people who know me personally, like, I think are getting the biggest kick out of it. You know, because I think, you know, social media puts this perception up that, you know, you're super professional and you're always serious and things like that. And I mean, obviously you both know me pretty well. I'm not like that. I mean, there's definitely my professionalism, but there's my, you know, your humanness. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, it was very, very funny. And thank you for it. I will always keep those videos. Oh, man. <laughs> well, if there's anything that Mary and I love in a work day, it's making sure we inject fun in everything that we do. And we always say that like a true, a tried and true, really good work day for us is when we can laugh until we cry. And thank you because that was, that was it for that the was day. It. That was it for the day. You we did. were like, okay, and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> so you just said something, uh, your 20,000 Instagram followers. Um, you've been a therapist for a long time. And I think it's cool to see how every um, career has progressed in technology, but you specifically have done such a great job with utilizing Instagram as a platform to give back to people mm-hmm. for good. Um, you are such an advocate, as Joe pointed out, for a positive um, body image. You're an advocate for women and girls everywhere, and I think that's why we resonate so much with you outside of our friendship is because we're in the same realm of work. You're a professional in what you do. We don't dole out the advice that you dole out. But will you talk a little bit more about how you got into this this line of work? And then I think I want to go on a tangent about how you've grown your Instagram because it's been so inspiring to watch how much you've helped people that you probably never would have imagined helping. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so how I became a psychologist is, you know, really it, it was a long journey. And I always tell people who want to go in this field, <laughs> like buckle up because it's expensive and it takes a really long time. So I did my undergrad for four years. I did my master's for four years, and then I did my doctorate for four years. And then after that, you do a pre-doc internship and then a post-doc internship, and you have to have a minimum 2000 hours face-to-face, you know, meeting with clients in addition to, I think it's 200 hours of supervision, individual and group. And then you take your licensing exam. So it is a very long journey. I think initially, if someone would have told me it would have been this, I don't know if I actually would have continued. I'm glad I did. Um, but the nice thing about where the career that, you know, has gone now is there's so many things that, you know, therapists can do, um, way more than when I first was starting out. I mean, it was just pretty much you do counseling or you do research and you get to pick which one you want to go into. I mean, now we're seeing podcasts and books and online courses and seminars and, you know, being a consultant and brands and like you mentioned social media. So there's a lot you can do now, but as far as how I got into body image, you know, I've always just been very fascinated because it's so subjective and there's so many layers to it. And I'm still learning about body image and its origins and, and the, you know, the treatments that are out there. Um, but truly my first work was actually working with men. And I worked with men around sexual addictions and, um, you know, pornography and compulsive masturbation. 
And so with that being said, a lot about body image came up in our conversation. And then as I started to continue in that, you know, that realm of working with that population, I started to see the, the, the partners, the female partners specifically of those men. And they felt, you know, huge amounts of insecurity about their bodies because their, their husbands have, had been unfaithful to them. And so, you know, working with body image around, you know, uh, betrayal and infidelity was a huge area. And then when I opened up my own practice, that's when I was really able to do less of working with men and more working with the women. And then specifically then, you know, college age and teenagers that were struggling with, you know, their relationship with food and eating disorders or disordered eating, and so that's primarily the demographic that I serve now is young adults, teens, women. I, I will still see some men, but, um, you know, it's, it's, what is your relationship like with food? And I, and it is a relationship. It's, I definitely go into those terms, not what are you eating today or what have you eaten today? And then understanding their, their body image. And it's very complex. And then you know, kind of just going from there. And it's not one size fits all for treatment because everybody's experience with their body is individualistic. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe society has kind of really brought a light to it's more women and girls around body image, but really it's men and boys as well. You know, yes, I think of like the, you know, we're in the world of TikTok and Instagram and social media and, we have this image that has been projected onto young girls and women for us to kind of live into or who we need to look like. But also on the flip side for boys, it's it's mm. not, you know, as like rail thin and it's like the muscular and I want to I want my calves to be a certain size and and my my skin color maybe be a different way. So it's interesting that it's not just one gender that everyone really, like you said, has a relationship with their body and food. And it isn't one size fits all. Everyone um, has their own journey. And I feel like over the last year, Mary and I really have learned more about boys that they too are in these conversations. And um, that was kind of like a light bulb moment for us where we're like, wow, the statistics, yes, are are really kind of point pointed more towards girls, but boys equally are are right there as well around body image. So I just think it's really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because yes, there is this myth that it doesn't affect boys and it does affect boys. We see it shown in different ways and, and it's not talked about as much. Um, and it's even myself as a mom to three children, my daughter being the oldest. And of course my focus has been on her regarding her body image, but mm. I said to my husband the other day, I go, oh my goodness, maybe I've completely missed the mark because here I've been putting all my time and energy into making sure she's good. And she's, she's great. I mean, she's very confident young girl, which is awesome. And my son's been struggling. Mm. My son's been struggling with his body image, the way he looks, and he's very focused on his body. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've got to make sure I'm not just only putting this with her because she's a girl, Mm -hmm. but making sure I'm doing this with all three of them. Because as you put it out, Joe, like it affects all of us. Right. Well, and I just want to point out to everyone listening who feels like they might be missing a child or not doing one of their children's Mm -hmm. service, like Morgan's a professional and she has that conversation with herself. Mm -hmm. It's okay to feel like you're missing the mark on certain things. Like 
you're human and you're a parent and you're doing the best that you can. And the call out, noticing that he's feeling that way, that's huge. And I'm sure now you're going to be putting a little bit more attention on that. But I just, I want everybody to know that we're all human and Mm -hmm. it's okay to miss those signs, especially with how much society has promoted the fact that it's a girl issue and not a guy issue. I think we can all feel like we've missed the mark on that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's um I, I have two boys and it's funny that they will stand in the mirror and and count, you know, they're six and eight. They're counting their abs. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't do that and neither does my husband. So it's interesting. I'm like, well, what shows? Like who has their ear and who's telling them that that's how they're supposed to look? And they want to go to the gym with me now. And I'm like, wait a second. You guys should be running outside playing soccer and basketball and all the things and not worrying about that. But it's interesting for me to have the self-awareness of like, wow, okay, is it the Ninja Warrior uh, show that we're watching and, you know, these beautiful <laughs> athletes are glistening <laughs> in their sweat. I'm like, I don't, this is, it's just, you, you have to have that self-awareness of like, it's not just a girl issue. It's, it's really an, an all issue. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Okay. So tell us you, you have your own practice and you focus with predominantly teens and and girls, do you find that um, when girls come to you, is there like a common thread or is there like the same issue that has come up in in multiple clients of yours? Like for us, for example, like confidence is a really big theme of ours that no matter what girl we work with, confidence is lacking. So, you know, it's easy for us when we have conversations with parents of like, okay, this is how we're going to really focus confidence with her. And to, you know, much like you, we really cater it specifically for that girl. But is there something that you hear often or a lot of the same thing in the clients that you work with? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if, if we're looking at it from, you know, a body image lens is that they're, their disordered eating is very normalized. So mm-hmm. they think that they don't, they're not skinny enough to meet mm-hmm. the criteria for anorexia nervosa, which is a myth. It, it, it's, that's not true. And they, they feel like they have to be sick enough. I have to be sick enough in order to be able to get help. So it's really letting them know you, you, you have reached that point and, and you've gone beyond. I see more and more young adults, teenagers experiencing loneliness. Loneliness is a huge, huge area. Back in my day, it was, you know, I obviously not feeling good enough, but in a sense of fear of failure and not being lovable. But loneliness, I think, has really come out because of social media. And kids are spending more time on like, by themselves, right? Video games right. by themselves. Um, you know, parents are super busy. They don't have time here to be on the iPad. Um, and iPads are used, you know, during mealtimes, you know, be on mm-hmm. the iPad while you're eating your dinner or your breakfast in the morning. Um, so there's a lot of just loneliness that's happening more and more, um, overwhelming anxiety. Um, there was a, a podcast I was listening to, and I really loved what this therapist said. She said that, um, you know, when a child is feeling numb, or a person is feeling numb. It's not the absence of emotions and numbness. That's not what it is. Being numb is about the overwhelming feeling of emotion Hmm. because we're feeling so overwhelmed by our emotion. We're numbing out. 
it's not they don't know they yeah they they can't put their finger on exactly what they're feeling right because so, they're feeling so many things they're feeling so many things i'm completely overwhelmed so my nervous system is going to shut down in order to protect me and oh. so when a parent says you know my child can't do this my child can't do that like this whole failure to launch which mm-hmm. is a huge area that i see a lot as well it's really because they're the, the child doesn't know how to regulate their emotions And so the nervous system does what it's supposed to do. And that's to keep it safe, a person safe and protected. So it's helping them talk about what makes them feel overwhelmed, help them come back to their bodies, breathe through. So the nervous system says, oh, I don't have to shut down. I I can be okay. I can, I can handle this and I can breathe through this and I can find and develop ways to cope through this difficult, you know, uncertainty. And so, yeah, there's lots of those layers that I see consistently. It's, you know, the normalization, the anxiety, feeling overwhelmed, being lonely. And then that shows up in the lack of confidence. Confidence is behavior related, what I do or what I don't do. You know, self-concept is how I see myself. And self-esteem is a combination of both. Well, and that, I mean... You hit the nail on the head as far as why people call us self-esteem, the lack of self-awareness and the lack of self-confidence. And you said everything that we've heard on a phone call with a parent in the last year. And if you're like the difference between what we do, obviously we didn't go through 12 years of college to be in Morgan's shoes. We like to tell our clients the difference between us and therapy is exactly what you just said, where as we try to focus on helping them figure out what their present moment problems are and facilitate growth in their future. So being able to gain confidence, being able to be a little bit more self-aware and working on those, sharpening those things. Because realistically, a lot of the girls that we work with, I would say 90% of the girls that we work with also have a therapist. So it's really cool for us just to be a part of the team to help that girl be the best version of ourselves. Because what we're finding is what we've innately always known is it's never a one-size-fits-all. There's never going to be one fix for every single problem. And it's really cool to see parents get outside their comfort zone and hire a team of people to make sure that their child who is struggling with all of these things has a fighting chance Mm -hmm. to go and be confident, to be able to talk through their feelings, to name what they're feeling without feeling shame or guilt around it. So I know we've gotten a couple of referrals from you as well, which – Thank you, as always, for trusting in our ability to take care of people in the same way that in a similar way that you do. But it's just it's it's amazing to be able to come alongside and support um, these kids in their journey because the pandemic of all things, too, I think, accelerated the loneliness feeling, obviously, by um, 10xing the time on screens and making it a perfect storm by having to be by ourselves and coming out of the pandemic has been interesting because we hear probably five or six times a day, like, my kid can't even go up to the barista at Starbucks and order a drink. They're that nervous. They're that anxious. And it's like, how how do we turn that around? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I love your services. I'm a big fan. I believe in your services. I think that coaching in general is a wonderful adjunct to therapy. Um, I, I love when I hear a client has a therapist or is working with a therapist. So I'm like, great, let's sign a release. So there's a coordination of care. Um, because clearly there are things that a coach can do that I cannot do due to my ethical guidelines. And then the type of work that I do within my office 
And, and you're right. You do build confidence by what you guys are able to provide because it's the application. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like you, the example of going up to a barista and ordering, I love that. Um, I, I, you know, when we talk about boundaries, I, I often say to my clients, like, let's not start a boundary with, you know, grandma, you know, we don't start with grandma. Okay. We start <laughs> a boundary with yeah. the barista at, or, or at, you know, Dutch brothers. Right. And if they get your order wrong and it's like, oh, you know, thank you so much, but I actually wanted a hot latte, not an ice latte or, you know, whatever. And so it's like, you're never going to see this person probably again. So let's start, you know, on, you know, the low fruit, the low hanging mm-hmm. fruit, and then we'll work our way up to grandma, you right. know? So, and that's exactly it. It's, it's behavioral approximations to help a person develop a, a, a better level of assertion, which is really what confidence is the message. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. And you are okay. And that's what we want to build within the young adults that we see. Absolutely. Oh, it's so good. I I'm um I kind of want to go back to what you said around around eating because a light bulb went off in my head of like, oh my gosh, I as a parent, I would look for signs of like sickness in my kids if that were the case around body image or is some type of compulsion eating or restrictive eating. I I don't think you shared such that that was such a piece of knowledge for me of like it doesn't we don't need to wait till they're sick. So how do we identify that before it gets to that myth of they need to be sick in order to be seen? Well, that's a great question. And I think a lot of it is really awareness, you know, being in tune with your child. And I again, I think Parents are so distracted and busy because of their own hectic schedules, whether it be work or multiple children or your volunteer time or your own stuff. One of the things, just because my kids, I used to really feel, and I believe this, and I'm so glad I'm starting to not believe this anymore. I used to believe that as my children got older, they wouldn't need me. So I was like, okay, like I'm going to be, they're not going to want to hang out with me. They're not going to need me as much. Like I'm going to be able to work all the time. And it's Mm -hmm. actually quite the opposite. It's not that my children don't need me. They need me in a much different way than they did when they were little, when they, when they were little, they needed me in a physical way to hold them, to feed them, to change their diapers, to lay with them in bed, you know, all the things now it is mom. I need you to pay attention. Mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. your time. I need your presence. I need your mental and emotional energy. And, and without them asking, they might not know how to ask that. You have to be so in tune to that. And right. that's really, really hard to do. So, I mean, I have truly have had to scale back my business because my children will always, you know, be the, my first priority. And it is, it is looking at, you know, are they eating less? Are they eating more? Uh, the most common thing is sneaking food. Mm. Kids sneak food all the time. And I get the, it's actually, and people don't realize this anorexia and bulimia are not the most prevalent eating disorders. It's binge eating. Mm. Binge eating is more prevalent than anorexia and bulimia combined. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And binge eating, it's so normal. Like when I say normal, like it's so common. And people don't think of it as binge eating and we call it cheat days, right? Mm. Where we eat this, you know, (laughs) massive amount of food. And the reason we've been, we eat this massive amount of food and it's always typically on a Sunday is because we've been restricting all week long. And then the number one day of the week for dieting is a Monday, right? Because Monday's the day of hope. 
Mm. So those are the types of things to pay attention to. Body checking behaviors is huge. Using the scale, pinching the skin, using selfies before and afters, measuring tape. What else? I mean, using, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to trigger anybody. So I'm not going to go into all those things because there might be people that do engage or listening on the podcast that are like, oh, I never thought about that. So I'm going to use that. Thanks for the hot tip. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. There are a lot of body checking behaviors to pay attention to, especially if you, if you have a teenager. And so we want to just be able to normalize body diversity, you know, respecting our bodies, thinking about what it can do and recognizing, you know, how we, as, you know, coaches, therapists, uh, parents, aunts, uncles, all the things, friends, how we talk about our bodies in front of our children, in front of the young ones, you know, and I, you know, it, it, I just don't, I mean, I, I don't, it's not a topic of conversation that happens in my house. And if it is, (laughs) it's like, oh my gosh, I felt really great today because I, you know, my body felt strong because I lifted or because I ran really far or, you know, I'm, I'm working on my flexibility, you know, and look what I've been able to do the more I practice, you know, it's, it's basic things. Right. And it's like the attributes, right? So when we talk about goal setting, we work with girls who are going off to college, right? And it's like, what's the goal to get into a four-year university, get a scholarship, whatever. And it's like, we never want to talk about like the goal as the accomplishment. We want to talk about who they're becoming while attaining this goal. And that's what it sounds like how you phrase like my body felt strong because of this thing that I did as opposed to look at my six pack like you're phrasing um it in a different way that's like oh because mom did this then she got this feeling it has nothing to do with the way that she necessarily looks mm-hmm. that's a that's a light bulb yeah mm-hmm. it's recognizing the internal feeling rather than the external or aesthetic look of it totally What would your suggestions be for parents? So um, like for them to tune into or start to pay more attention, because what we really want to do is just not make anybody wrong for what they are doing or, or aren't doing, but allow this to be a gentle reminder of like, you can start right now. You can start right now on how you're speaking to yourself. Like maybe that's step one. Step two is then paying attention to the kids or spending quality time with them or what what are what are some suggestion suggestions that parents can start doing to um really foster and cultivate a better self-talk for their bodies and as well as like creating a, a, a better environment for their kiddos so if we're looking at i mean it's different kind of things you can do for different ages i would say for teenagers specifically teenage girls it's knowing what they're looking at at their social media Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that social media plays one of the most important roles in body image. And as I'm sure you two already know this, you know, with the, the whistleblower of Francis Haugen coming out around, about Facebook, you know, the, the research shows that, you know, Facebook, which owns obviously Instagram and other social media platforms like WhatsApp and, um, uh, well not TikTok, but what, what came out of it is that when a, when a young teen is looking at the the content on social media, the algorithm is set up to keep them engaged. The number one emotion that is triggered is anger more than anything else. And that changed during the election time. So we had more people being engaged on social media because they were feeling angry during what was going on during the election time with girls. What happens to them is they continue to look at something that makes them upset. And the anger is not at others. The anger Mm -hmm. is at themselves. 
That's the, that's, that's the thing. It's not, right. I'm angry at this girl. I'm angry because I don't look like her. I don't have what she has. I don't, I don't look like her. Has. I don't have those arms. I don't have those legs. I don't right. Have those and then she scrolls up or next and it's the algorithm keeps showing her the same thing because she's spending so much time on that thing. So it's triggering or saying, hey, she's looking at women on the beach in bikinis. Let's keep feeding her celebrities that are doing these things. Exactly. And what the the thing about Facebook that that they know that they did not talk about or release to the public was that when a girl is doing this to herself, even when she's feeling upset and feeling bad about herself, she cannot stop looking at the content. She continues to engage in the content despite the fact that she knows she shouldn't be. Right. And Facebook is doing nothing to change the algorithm about that. So that is hugely problematic. And so when I, t- so one of the first things that I'm asking in my initial intake with a, a teenage girl or a young adult is let's go through your phone and show me three accounts that are making you feel bad about yourself. Mm-hmm. And we're going to delete those accounts. Do they have them readily available? Yeah. Yeah. Like and quick, quick drama gras. They're like, boom, boom, boom. One, two, this three. One, one. So we're going we're gonna to delete three and we're going to add three, three that are going to represent body diversity, three that are going to represent, you know, body positivity, body neutrality, body respect, you know, whatever it may be, mm. you know, you need to start following people that are giving themselves to permission to live freely beyond your approval of what they look like. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's really, we do that every session. There's not a session that we don't do that. Um, so that by the end of it, you know, if I'm seeing them, you know, six, eight sessions, we remove the toxicity. And yeah. I would say for parents, you know, like as get the phones or iPads <laughs> or whatever out of the bedrooms. And I've, I mean, that that's a whole nother, we could do a whole podcast on that. And then, you know, also I would say, talk, 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 talk. And so when I have a parent be like, well, she doesn't talk to me. One of the things I love is what's called the five minute journal. So you can sit down and write, you know, a couple things about your day and then leave it on your, on your daughter's desk or on her bed. And then she fills it out and then she passes it back to you. Oh, that's so cool. That it's is a really beautiful. nice, my daughter and I do it. So we pass it back and forth and it's just like, how are you feeling today? What are you grateful for? What's something that you are proud of that happened in your day to day? And we write these in and then we just pass it back, back and forth. And so it's our little way of communicating. Yeah. And it gets the child in the habit of journaling, which we all know is effective. It 100% is. And they don't have a lot of opportunities to write things anymore. Right. So it's nice to actually utilize that skill as well. But it's so funny that you say that because that seems like such a simple solution to uh, a, a relationship that doesn't have a lot of verbal communication, which happens to be a lot of teens. We know that for sure. It's like there's a point where they really want to explore their autonomy. And that comes with maybe not necessarily facilitating a conversation with mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to hear that there's easy solutions that if you just get out of your own way, you can find solutions to the problem that you're having, but you have to dig in. You have to want to do the work with your teens in order to find that solution because coming from a teen who was a total asshole, very self-admitted, like it, my mom pushing back against how much I was pushing would have done what you said a couple minutes ago. It would have just proven to me that she was willing to fight for me. And I think that's what a lot of teens want is – Prove to me that you love me. 
Prove to me that I matter. Prove to me that I'm worth your time as opposed to you just saying, hey, here's the iPad for dinner. Like have have a great meal. And that's not something that we ever really had to deal with. We had to deal with other things, but I had family dinners. There wasn't electronics at the dinner table. Now there were other issues in in that time period, but technology is really at the precipice of every single conversation that we have with every teen that we work with. And it's it's wild to me that we don't have a handle on it as parents. But then again, it's so new that who knew that this was what was going to to happen with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I agree. We're we're not meant to have a handle on it. And it's a beast. And it's an, it's impossible to ignore or to think that your child won't be exposed to these images or pornography, it will happen. And so it's like, okay, let's, let's have those conversations before it happens. You know, if you see something that's sexual, I want you to come talk to me. Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to hiding it. Yeah, exactly. Like just giving them the permission to know that they can come talk to you if they see something that's upsetting to them or something about them and, or another girl is seeing something negative about another girl on social media you know, the feeling like the whole exclusion thing, like I'm not, I'm not a part of them. They won't allow me in the conversation. I wasn't invited like the FOMO that's huge. So just have those conversations because it will happen to your child. And if you think your child's not going to be exposed to pornography, they will. (laughs) They will. They absolutely will. They will. I was reading an article the other day. It was talking about how to handle giving your kid a phone because it really feels like a rite of passage now. It's like you turned 11. Here's your iPhone 74. All the bells and whistles are attached. Here's all my passwords. It's like, whoa, pump the brakes. Like, how about instead you you give the phone, sure, with the understanding or with the commitment that this is my phone and I'm letting you borrow it. That way, there's ownership on both sides and there's not a reason to hide something because now my kid knows that I will be looking at that phone and we can have conversations about all the things that as an adult I run into on my phone because I see porn. I'm not out there seeking it, but the algorithm on any social media platform does its greatest job of putting it in front of you. So it's like if we can have those conversations, I think a lot of people's fear is, well, if I talk to my kid about porn, then they're going to be curious. Mm-hmm. Okay, that might be the situation, but they're also when it happens, because like you said, it's going to, they're going to be confident in how they react because mm-hmm. they're going to come to you and they're going to say, oh, my goodness, this thing happened and it made me feel this way as opposed to hiding it because now they think they're going to get in trouble. So with any parent commenting about now they'll be curious, I will take preparation over curiosity any day. Hmm. Sure. Of course, they're going to be curious. Right. So let's prepare them. Right. I will take that any day over damage control. Wow, that is so good. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with curiosity. In fact, as entrepreneurs, as we all are, curiosity is what keeps us in the game, right? Mm-hmm. right like what, what motivates us, you know, what, what keeps us interested in life. So I don't want to, I don't want to stifle the curiosity. I want to prepare them mm. so that when it's not a shock value, mm. So we take the shock value down so the dopamine doesn't get completely like overwhelmed and we normal, not normalize, but we prepare them to not think that this is like, (gasps) right. Because I mean, I know we've laughed. We, I mean, I think it was someone's, um, Felicia Romero. She had, um, oh yeah. Yeah. 
a flasher. You know, they exposed themselves. Her face was like, you know, it's the shock value. That's what imprints our template, our brains, right? Our everything. So if we, if we take that away and we normalize it in a way like, Hey, I'm going to prepare you. Sometimes you're going to see images of body parts, or you're going to see something that's going to be like, wait, what was that? And Mm -hmm. and you're just not going to understand it. Just come talk to me, come find me. And we'll talk about what that was. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't provide that space or let your kids know that that is okay, then guess who's going to teach them about those things? Either it's going to be the internet more so, or it's going to be their friends who know just as much as they do. Yeah. Right. So the, the opinion or the facts, quote unquote, that they formulate around this thing are going to be completely misguided Mm -hmm. until someone can set them straight. And if they're not if they're not given a space to comfortably talk about those things, then that could be a long time and a lot of therapy later. Mm-hmm. Yes. I yeah. have a, a mom and daughter I'm seeing right Well, I'm seeing the daughter, but the mom comes in with her. And it's amazing to me. And I love it how much the mom has normalized, you know, like about talking about sexual health. And it's so apparent because the daughter feels so comfortable going to her mom anytime a boy sends her you know, a sext, you know, a, a text mm. that has sexual graphics, you know, attached yeah. to it because her mom knows everything. And yeah. her mom's like, okay, well, we should tell Dr. Francis when you got the dick pic. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like okay, well, yes. we're using this terminology. That's yeah. amazing. I love yeah. it. And the mom's like, That's... oh yeah. Like we talk about everything. Like I want her to know that she can come to me and because she feels so safe, all of her friends are now going to this mom as well. What a dream. That is awesome. Can I ask what high school, middle school? Um, it is middle school, 13. That's fantastic. That is fantastic because really, if you think about it, you guys are both moms. I am not. There's five kids between the two of you. If you want to count me as one of those kids, six. <laughs> You've got them. You've only got them for 18 years before they're able to go and live their life. So if they're going to live to 100, that's another 80 years that they then have to go on and figure life out. And it's like we want to prepare them as much as we possibly can for the moment that they fly, for the moment that they're ready to leave the nest. And if we beat around the bush and we don't talk about subjects because they're difficult, all we're doing is putting them behind the eight ball. We're not doing them any favors. Right. I'm just, I'm in love with this conversation. I, I, I'm like, thank you so much for, I mean, just this uh, very rich conversation that every time I have a conversation, it, it fuels me that we get to be in this space, that we get to be mentors to girls and families. But it, it's also a reminder of who I get to be, not only for my children, but for my children's friends. I want to be that mom that, you know, people feel really comfortable going to, that maybe they don't have a safe space, but I'm that's what I want to foster, obviously, here in our business, but really in my home, because they're my kids are at the age now where I, I really am still like holding them tight. They're six and eight, but I know it's going to happen overnight that they're going to be so consumed with their friends. And if their friends know that this is how we are at our house and that it's okay for them to come to me, like I just, I I really want to work on that part of me being a mom and a leader and, you know, uh, an extension of their mom or whatever it is. So thank you for gifting me that as a reminder of like, okay, I don't all, I don't have to just be 
in my lane, I can really, you know, hold space for more than just my family and the girls in my business. Miss yeah. Jill, we got a dick pic today. <laughs> what do we do with it? <laughs> or like I think of my nieces. Like I have three girls that are a few years older than my boys and I am like I- I'm chomping at the bit like waiting and I just want them to know that like Aunt Jill, I got you. Like and I want you to know what you're feeling is okay and you can come to me for anything and I'll do that TikTok dance with you. Yes, let's go, but I want you to know who's watching it. Who's watching it, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. So, um, it, yeah, I think of like, wow, I can really make an impact um, just by me having the awareness. And I think that's like, I don't want to be a dummy. I don't want to be a dummy who's like, I don't know what's happening on social. It's like, well, I need you need to know. You, you need, need to, to know. know. Yeah. At this point, we have to know in order to have those conversations to prepare them. Yeah. And I think that you know, I'm not, I'm not against social media by any means because goodness gracious, I have learned so much from being on social media. I mean, way more than any continuing education course I've, I've taken for my license. Isn't that crazy? Right. I'm like, can we just make these credits? Like, no kidding. <laughs> totally. And I love, I, I mean, I love it. I mean, I do. And, and, you know, to kind of go back to what you had, you know, asked me earlier, Mary, I mean, it's, it's been such a rewarding place for me, but I never expected to have so many like people I've never met before will, you know, thank me or come in and, and say, you know, because of you or because of this post or because of, you know, what I'm talking about, they are now talking to their children in a different way, oh. or now they're trying to make peace with their body or they gave up the scale or they're eating again, or they're not suicidal. I mean, it's amazing. And I feel incredibly blessed and grateful that, um, the account has come what it's become, but I never thought in a millionaires it was going to be that. So I'm just really grateful. Yeah. That's our friend. That's oh, our friend inspiring all those people. Right and really like, I think this is a great place to end it. You guys, if you need inspiration, if you don't feel comfortable necessarily even picking up the phone to schedule an appointment to go to a therapist, then do exactly what Morgan was just talking about a couple minutes ago. Delete three accounts and add three positive ones. And, and add hers. If you're going to add one, add hers. 100%. There's so much value. And it's not hers. She provides value from every other platform that is value-driven as well. So you're like a gateway for millions of other positive accounts for people to follow. And just from our perspective, like watching you grow and watching you step into this part of your business has been really inspiring and aspirational for just us as your friends and us as the new business owners that we are. So thank you for just being the brightest light that you are for everyone in your life. So she has a social media. We will obviously put it in the show notes. But she also has this really cool community text number where she sends mindful messages out. Is that every day? Do you do that every day? I don't do it every day. I think it's three times a week. Okay. Four, um, depending upon just, you know, December was very busy because I know, I mean, mental health yeah. in December is like my my busiest season. <laughs> totally. <laughs> she needs a break. People are like, oh. It was very, you know, frequent, but now I would say it's like three times a week and, and, um, it's just mental health. It's not just specifically to one subject um, or topic. It really can be, you know, anything to do with improving the quality of your life and building skills of resiliency. And, you know, like you said, confidence. So yeah, I, it's just a way to connect and know that you don't always have to go to like 
Instagram in order to get help. And, you know, I think it's fun to get like a text message. That's really empowering. I'm like, oh. mm-hmm. and it's amazing. It's like my husband even will be like, okay, was that on purpose that you just sent that to me? <laughs> that really resonated with really me. Timing. And I'm like, no, you know, so, um, I've had a lot of people be like, oh my God, the timing of that is so great. So, oh, I love that. Um, and it's grown. I mean, it's definitely grown a lot. Um, and I'm yeah. grateful for the mindful messages. So, okay. Well, we will plug all of that in the show notes. Is there anything else? Um, we kind of like to end our, our podcast asking, um, like what's been your biggest lesson? Our podcast title name is what's the lesson so in in lieu of this conversation or in lieu of mental health what's been your biggest lesson that you've learned for yourself that you can share with our audience well personally my biggest lesson well the first thing that came up to me came up for me when you asked that question was um you don't have to do it all right and i think that i mean clearly even with the picture that i sent you guys Just wait till my assistant can do it. Cause clearly <laughs> I can't do it all. And, and, and that's okay. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a person, I'm a perfectionist. I mean, I'm, I'm still working through my perfectionism and, and still le- learning how it shows up in different areas of my life. So for me, you know, asking for help saying it's okay for you to do this over here, because that gives me that frees up time for me to focus on this over here, you know, is not having to do it all. I think like, yeah. I just, there's like this whole myth that women have to just, you know, put it all on their shoulders and we carry the burden of responsibility. And it's like, no, we can ask for help and we can find these amazing teams that can support us. And, you know, you never know what someone else is capable of doing until you ask for that service. Right. And I just, I, I, I love that. So I love that, you know, with your guys's, you know, business and your, what you offer in your services, like it is a team approach. And I think that that is really effective and it shows girls even just how women can support one another. We're not in competition with one another. Right. I think like, I love seeing my friends shine. Like I'm like the biggest, like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you know, even like in yoga class, if there's some like random, like girl doing a pose that I can't do, I'm like, oh, you go girl, you know? <laughs> And I just, I do that that, scorpion. Yeah. Can you teach me how to do that handstand? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just love being able to cheerlead people on. So I think that that's something that um, I've learned a lot and I'm, and I'm glad that I got this lesson. Oh, wow. We're equally as glad that you got the lesson because Mm -hmm. had you not, maybe we wouldn't have been friends. And the fact that we are just brings so much joy to Jill and I's heart. So we feel the same. We're always just cheering you on from behind the scenes. So let's make sure our audience knows that the next time that we'll be together will be with wine. Yeah. And, you know, we'll have a we'll have a good happy hour chat together and not totally. record it. So yeah. Morgan, seriously, thank you so much for your time today. Your brain, your knowledge, your heart, they're invaluable. Um, and thank you for sharing that with our audience today. We're so grateful and we will catch you all on the next episode. Have a great day. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you're looking for more, head over to girlsmentorship.com slash WTL for the show notes. And if you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, 
We would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one or all of the next three ways. One, by sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media. Two, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review. And three, by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We share ideas, we ask questions. So if you're interested, we've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Facebook in the show notes. Until next time, you guys, remember, the more you know, the better you do. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.